Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It is a Tuesday edition of the Pump Fake coming off a very busy week 13 around the NFL. Jared Bailey with you, joined by someone who I'm very lucky to consider a friend, a mentor in the business, uh, fan of Jamiroquai, Mike Tanier from <laughs> from Football Outsiders. Good to see you, my friend. How are you? Doing well. Explainer of Jamiroquai, apparently. <laughs> that is my life here. I'm his. I'm his biographer, and I'm gonna light. I'm gonna light my candle here. So we're gonna curse the darkness and light a candle. Oh, lovely. Yes. What's uh what what's the scent? The scent is uh camphor and uh, fur needles. Wow. I don't mess around and my wife gave me uh my favorite candle but I'm sort of saving it for like after uh the season ends. Tobacco and cedar. Ah. Oh. A, a company that does not sponsor me called Dilo. I'll give them a free shout out now. But <laughs> tobacco not in the somebody just smoked a pack of menthols and blew them in right. Or you you hooked up with a girl who was a smoker and you're making out with her and you're realizing this is a fucking terrible <laughs> idea. Not like that kind of tobacco. Like the like grandpa's pipe when you sat at his knee and he explained <laughs> explained to you who Mike Schmidt was. That kind of tobacco, yes. So. <laughs> <sighs> so are you speaking from experience there? I think everything I just said was from experience. I think I <laughs> I, I just provided way too much of a window in the old soul there. And I'm also enjoying a a, a whiskey here. So oh, it's lovely. So don't ask too many challenging or uh, personal questions. Cause... I think once we hit like the half hour mark, I'm going to start doing that. Speaking of uh, staring into souls, uh, the, the 49ers are doing a lot of soul searching right now because they lose their second quarterback to a second season ending leg slash foot injury Jimmy Garoppolo going down early in the game against the Dolphins this past week 49 surprisingly though still pull out the win Brock Purdy looks good which was well, yeah which is surprising um Tua Tunga Bailoa though in the Dolphins I think you know the narrative going in was okay you haven't really beat anybody under you know normal circumstances this year you know they beat Buffalo early on in the year but it was in a sauna with multiple yeah. Bills players missing um, and then the only other team of note that they've played was Cincinnati, but uh, obviously Tua gets injured that game. So this is a big lit- litmus test for the Dolphins, yeah. and they come out swinging. Trent Sherfield has a 75-yard touchdown on the first play from scrimmage. Um, but after that, I mean, San Francisco put the clamps down, multiple takeaways, multiple interceptions from Tua, yeah. uh, on Tua Tungabailoa, yeah. uh, and San Francisco just looked like the better team for four quarters. Um but obviously, now they move forward with Brock <laughs> Purdy. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the, that, this is a team that I thought was going to win, not win the Super Bowl, but represent the NFC in the Super Bowl. Um, but now, obviously, you know, not having Jimmy Garoppolo, right. uh, that definitely puts a damper on things. When did you think that? During the Trey Lance administration? No, no. Like, actually, coming into the season, I said, okay, they'll probably go like eight and nine, nine and eight with Trey Lance. You know, he's the first year that he's really, you know, uh, there'll be some growing pains. But after 
the game against Arizona, which albeit is against, you know, the dumpster fire Cardinals with Cliff yes. Kingsbury, who can't, you know, who couldn't call a play to get me open right now, apparently. <laughs> uh, and Colt McCoy was the quarterback. I understand that. But yeah. uh, the way that they looked just on both sides of the ball, Jimmy had four touchdown passes. The defense held uh, Arizona to just 10 points. Like that was the most well-rounded game I've seen them maybe have since Kyle Shanahan took over as head coach. Like it, it, that was just a phenomenal performance. So, um, after you know, once they had McCaffrey in the building for a full week and they just dismantle the Rams, which isn't strange, um, and do that to Arizona, that's I thought once they were doing that, I was like, okay, you know what, San Francisco could do this, yeah. And, um, but first of all, one thing is, is that the Dolphins also had a lot of injuries in this particular game, both of their tackles were out, and both their tackles are going to be out for a while. They signed Eric Fisher to try and put out the fire, something they probably should have done like week four. Yeah, uh, but I, I came out. Of, I, I entered this game. It's like, okay, well, this is a good storyline game for Dolphins 49ers because the winner promotes the Super Bowl tier. Okay, I had the, the the both teams on the well, they could be a Super Bowl team tier, and if one beats the other, they demonstrate who they are. And of course, the Niners do that, and they're about to go to that Super Bowl tier, except that Brock Purdy is the quarterback right now. So, you, you know, I, I did what I did not do is I did not go back and look at Brock Purdy's Iowa State tape. I'm not mentally prepared to take that step for this quarterback what you know you know what i did mike i'm, I'm yes. doing a piece you know kind of introducing 49ers fans to brock purdy for sports illustrated okay. i did not go back and watch brock purdy's tape either so what i did was i texted a lot of my college football writing friends huh? thorne Nystrom included and i was like hey just tell me what you think about brock purdy so that's basically what the piece is is just people okay. who know more about college football than me Telling people, hey, this is what you should expect from Brock Purdy. Well, what'd you find out? Um, I think basically what's kind of expected. You know, um, he brings some things to the table that you know can get you through a few games. Probably not who you want, you know, to to be under center for a playoff run. Right. Um, however, you know, the 49ers are unlike most teams where it's a very quarterback friendly system yeah. that'll make you look a little bit better. And he's living proof of that. I mean, look how we played against Miami. So um, obviously not the, not what 49ers fans wanted, but I mean, it could be, it could be worse. <laughs> you, you hope to, you got to get from these college football guys or from the draft Knicks, this sort of binky guy, like, Oh, he was my binky guy, you know, Brett Rippins <laughs> and all these other guys, like no one understood him, but me, you you generally don't get that from any Iowa school quarterback. You know, you don't get that from Iowa quarterbacks. You don't get it from Iowa State quarterbacks. I looked through the numbers enough to say anywhere in the Midwest is just a solid no. Right, because the binky guys are always on the West Coast. Because like you didn't stay up until two in the morning. Watching, <laughs> you watch Pac-12 after dark. Yeah, watching Pac-12 after dark, and I know the truth about this kid. And it's like, yeah, he beat Oregon State. Oregon State is basically like a, a you know mountain A and I school, but like. <laughs> it looks like Purdy can throw the ball downfield pretty well. It's possible that he actually has a better arm than Garoppolo. I know that that's damning with faint praise. But one thing you could see is some opportunities to just take a few more shots to loosen up, loosen up defenses. Because you're, you're like, okay, Garoppolo's going to make better decisions. He's going to be more comfortable with all the little, like pushing all the little buttons in this system to deliver those short passes. That's what he does best. That's what he has done successfully for years. That's what he was doing this year. Purdy is not going to be able to automatically do that because he ran the scout team. You know, that's not that's not how it works in this range. But Shanahan can create obvious, easy yak opportunities, disguise a lot of things. 
fart the ball to McCaffrey, fart the ball to Debo. And then you can get deep, take a one-on-one shot. Take a one-on-one shot to Ayuk or, or that, what's the kid's name, Gray, somebody like that, and open things up. And that's one thing you can see. But, like, I operate under the assumption that he can get you through a game, like you said. I haven't looked at the spread this week. Uh, he could get you through that game. They have a Thursday nighter coming up against Seattle. I don't think I, I'd be kind of risky on that one. After that, they're going to get a book on this kid. And there's only so much he knows. Now, the story is Garoppolo might be back in time for the playoffs. That creates a situation. First question is, Niners have to get there. Probably will. Secondly, they have to get there in a way where, uh, yeah, we're not facing the Cowboys in the first round. Well, I mean, hey, they faced, the, they faced Dallas in the first round last year. Look how that turned out. Right. Oh, well, true. I mean, it is the Cowboys, and they do tend to fall apart. You, you want the Vikings in the first round. Uh, maybe you want the Buccaneers in the first round. I don't know. I think they got the Buccaneers coming up pretty soon, though. So that's they uh, play them next. They play them this coming week. Oh yeah, welcome to the NFL, Brock Purdy. Here's Tom Brady. <laughs> I I just rewatched Monday Night Game. That the over under for that game is going to be fifteen. It's going to be fifteen. Every game the Buccaneers play is like seventeen to sixteen. It's, like, and, so and it's seventeen three until the fourth quarter, and then the opponent's like, "We better start acting stupid because Tom Brady's on the other side of the field." And by the way, I'm just going to mention. I'm just going to mention. I was just watching the cut up the all, what do you call it the condensed NFL Plus version of this mm-hmm. 44 yard pass interference penalty at the end is not shown in the cut up at all. They're <laughs> midfield and then they're at the one. Like, <laughs> they just expect you to fill in the blanks. Oh, Tom must have made a good throw here. Conspiracy <laughs> theories. So, so yeah, I was like, I might want. I, I have no idea because I, I was sound asleep by then. That could have been the most flagrant pass interference in history, or it could have been a ticky tack call. I'm, I'm, well, I'll never know. I could actually go check the all 22 and find mm-hmm. out. But I'll never know because I'm not going to do it. Great work, NFL Plus. Excellent work. That was such an annoying game because Todd Bowles opted and he's down 16 to three with seven minutes left. Mm-hmm. Tom's like waving off the punt team and then mm-hmm. they call a timeout and then Todd Bowles brings on the punt team mm-hmm. and the booze that came from Tampa Bay. Like, yes. Todd Bowles was in the middle of one of the worst coaching performances of the year, and then Dennis Allen said, "Oh, not on my watch. <laughs> you want to see? You want to see bad? Watch this." And Bowles did the same thing the previous week. We're like, "Oh, we're just going to goof around with the clock late in these games." Yeah, it, it's not like this is a prime head coaching opportunity or anything. Todd Bowles, yeah. it's not like you're you're not really auditioning for this. And he's he's telling us, "I'm a defensive coordinator," and that's fine. That's that maybe your station in life, but yeah, on the other side of the field, like second and one. They run this. The, the Saints run this concept where, where Dalton gets sacked, and I'm looking at it, and I'm like, you know, Andy Dalton knows how to play football. He knows it's second and one. Where's his dump off, dude? Where can he just squirt the ball to? And there's nobody. Everybody's going deep on this. There's no one cutting across. We even if he wants to bounce it at the guy's feet to not get grounding or anything. So I'm just like, what the heck is this ball? And then third and one, third and seventeen. Now it's like you got to throw it again. You know. Yeah, it was just an annoying game to watch all around. One of those yeah. low-scoring games, like something that we've come we've come used to with Tampa Bay this season. They they scored more than twenty-two points, I think, once, and that was against Kansas City when they were getting curb stomped. And the only reason that they scored yep. more than twenty-two there was because the uh, Kansas City right. was playing very soft in the fourth quarter because they could. Right. Um, so yeah, Tampa Bay, very weird team. But you play Brock Purdy in the 49ers. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know because my usual strategy is play the backup quarterback. Yes, I, I did hear I did hear you state that on 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 Mina Kimes' show uh, this past week. So it is ancient uh, 
handicap or wisdom. But Tom Brady throws a wrench into that. And wait a minute. The Bucks are three and a half point dogs? Yeah. <laughs> Mino won. No. No. I'm not laying points on Drak Purdy unless it's Iowa State. And, uh, uh, Roast beef A&M. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Stephen F. Austin. No. <laughs> Oh, that's fantastic. The, the line, the line, the, the house is like, screw it. They're the 49ers. This is about Nick yeah. Samuel, buddy. Yeah, no, you can put a St. Bernard back there, quarterback. You're going to get wins. Three and a half point, Tom Brady, three and a half point dog against the, the, the Cyclone. Oh, I don't, I don't necessarily think they're looking at it as Tom Brady against Brock Purdy. I think they just watched uh, Tampa Bay only put up three points until you know seven minutes left in the fourth quarter against New Orleans. Now going to play arguably the best defense in football, San Francisco. This uh, it's going to be a 12-10 just disgusting display of offense. 37 is the number, and even that, it's, it's like suspiciously – I'd go under it, but it's suspiciously weird too, because I think that they're, they might be factoring in a pick six somewhere along the way. What do you think? What game do you think scores more points? That one or Steelers Ravens with Tyler Huntley against Kenny Pickett? The final score of all Steelers Ravens games is 23 20. Yeah. It's 23 20 either way. And you can, like, oh, I know how this will be 23 20. There'll be a turnover. There'll be a this. There'll be a that. You know, I, I'm sure I, I'm sure I remember Charlie Batch against Joe Flacco a couple of times. I'm sure I've seen. Every variation of like both quarterbacks being sort of like stretchered off at halftime in that matchup. So, uh, the what's the number on that? Because if scores will be twenty three twenty, is the number exactly forty three? I already. I let me pull it up because I already bet it yesterday as soon as it, it came out because I I, I bet the under. It's thirty seven. I'm going over. It's thirty seven. It's thirty seven. I'm going over on that. I think Huntley will manufacture some points. He'll get some fifty five yard Tucker field goals, and Pickett will. What, what, what's your take on Pickett? You watch more Steelers than me. Um, you know, Derek Brown of Fantasy Pros has the best comp that I've ever heard for Kenny Pickett. Right. He's got he's got Alex Smith's legs and Sam Darnold's arm. Like I, I think that he's he's athletic enough, yeah. but they don't he doesn't throw the ball down the field. He doesn't have a big arm. Um there was a stat and it's obviously changed since, but I think right around Halloween, his his throwing of more than 10 yards downfield, he was completing like 30% of passes, no touchdowns, seven picks. Like it was just brutal. It was and it hasn't gotten much better. Um, granted, Matt Canada, his offensive, his, his offensive coordinator, I understand that. Yeah. Um, but two things can be true at once. Matt Canada is not good, but neither is Kenny Pickett. And but knowing the Steelers, they're not going to make any sort of change. He'll be there next year as sort of like, oh, he didn't have an entire offseason as the starter, which means that if we give him one this year, like, you know, or some other Mike Tomlinism thrown in there, the standard is the standard, stuff like that. So, <laughs> you know. I, I, can see, I can see working with Pickett because you chose him. It's working with Canada for another year that would make no sense. But that's what I'm scared of as a Steelers fan. Like, they're. Like three weeks ago, they were sitting at three and seven, top five pick. And I was like, all right, you know what? New territory for this team, but at least they can get, you know, someone like a Paris Johnson at left tackle, draft them early. Now they're going to win all these nothing games against bad teams and be like seven and seven somehow yeah. and end up with the, the 14th overall pick in the draft. And it's going to be all for naught. 
edge so, they're going to grab grab an edge rusher like they always do like they always do which they're fine because they'll get a million more sacks well i didn't watch last week's game against pickett in fact for pickett in fact i forget who they played Did they played At- atlanta I took a I took a weekly Falcons break, like a mental health week from the Falcons. So I haven't watched it yet. I'll I'll watch it. Before that, the impression I got from Kenny Pickett is he understands all the concepts as long as they're slants, flats, or Pickens is down there somewhere because he, yeah. he will. He's lofted enough plays to Pickens where I think he's gotten that yeah that air yards thing up a little bit. Just just uh, fly around the picket, which of course that's that's very. Basic it's things. the three S's for Kenny Pickett. It's slants, uh, slots, screens. and logos. And screens, yes. The four S's. Yes, you're right. Yes, I'm sorry. It's four. Um, slants, uh, slogos, and uh, and sacks. That too. Yes, the five S's. <laughs> five. Five S's. Among the S's for Kenny Pickett. And if you want to be cynical, stinking, you can throw that as the, as the he, sixth one. He, he doesn't really have a great grasp of what he's doing right now. I, mm. I do see him... Google around the pocket a little bit more than a, a five-year starter at pitch. Zero pocket presence for Kenny Pickett. Definitely. Right, right, right. right. He, he's the innovator of the seven steps and two steps to the left drop sometimes, which I <laughs> don't think is an NFL concept. I don't think it's a college concept either. There, there's enough there to say it's not Zach Wilson. It's not, my God, flush the toilet. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah, but but like, yeah. He went 16 to 28 for a buck, 97 in a touchdown, didn't throw a pick, but 57 of those yards were a Pat Fryermuth catch and run that he caught like seven yards downfield. So yeah. really, it's like, you know, a buck 40 something on 15 completions, 27 attempts after that. It's just his yards per attempt is very close to the bottom of the league. He came into this week at like six yards an attempt. It's just. And you can't tell that to Steelers fans, though, either, by the way, because they're like, oh, he's a franchise quarterback. Like, they're not asking him to do anything. Right. What, are, what are you talking about? Right. Like, I, it is, it Steelers is very fans annoying. don't remember, don't know what developing a quarterback looks like. like the, oh, the, yeah. It's the been, been 20 years since they've had to. In the 20 years. I mean, I mean, forget Patriots fans. They have no con- – it's all magic to them. you know. But, like, Steelers fans, it, it's like, well, did he win? And then, therefore, therefore, good. Like it's, yeah. it's like a Cro Magnon mm, result. Good, uh, you know. And then, and then they, and then they stick to it. And they stick to it and stick to it. So it's going to be a journey. I think this, this, this rebuilding for the for Steelers is going to be a journey because they're not. They didn't handle the Trubisky thing well. They didn't handle the star of the picket no. thing now. And now, like a two or three game win streak is he has turned the corner. That is it. He is Patrick Mahomes. It's like he is like, mm. and there's never an, there's never an in between that either. It's either right. he's god awful or he's god. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I will say this though. Yes, it's not Zach Wilson. I think he's better than Mac Jones, which again isn't a high bar. I think that Mac Jones is. We talk about quarter quarterback play in that division. Mac Jones <laughs> has been putrid this season, but Zach Wilson has been like twice as putrid so he has like garnered almost no criticism because he plays in a division with i mean bad quarterback play watch that watch that division outside of Tua and josh allen it's been gross yeah and mac jones is not getting coached pretty much at all and the plays have not been installed and the plays that have been installed are, are like junior varsity concepts and things so, so it's like you went from somebody who's being immaculately coached and scripted last year and we had to deal with the mac jones narrative to this, which is such a pendulum swing in the other direction, it's like he's probably a game manager. He probably yeah. really is, but like when when they're calling these plays out of a Barnes and Noble uh, offensive strategy for dummies book, 
you know, it, it's like it's going it's going to look like hell. And Zach Wilson is kind of the opposite in that you know he he can't be bothered uh, with like little details like like knowing what the hell he's doing or you know paying attention to his coaches. So you know you have to get this, that guy out of there as soon as possible. So rough stuff. It, it, and somehow they still rank ahead of Justin Herbert and the Los Angeles Chargers and DVOA. Don't get me started about Justin Herbert. Not when I'm drinking. Hey, uh, it ain't his fault. He's, he's obviously he's obviously down, but he ain't his fault, and therefore he's a good quarterback. Or it ain't his fault, and therefore he's Josh Allen. And if you don't under, if you don't realize that, you don't understand football. Where where? Where are we? Where's the rangefinder on what Justin Herbert really should be right now, versus the fact that like he's down there next to Andy Dalton in DPR? Right. If you know blank slate, you get to like rank quarterbacks and whatever. I think he's somewhere between like seven and ten, and I think that's fair. Yeah, um, I, would, I would go between like yeah, maybe seven, but I would go down 12, 13, 14. And right now, Joe Burrow is better, and right now, Jalen Hurts is better. Sure. So while uh, Justin Hurts, I'm I'm excited who, about it. I've seen what he can do. He's the third best quarterback in his draft class. And I just said Hurts and oh my, I forgot that Hurts was in that draft class. I'm thinking of first round guys. I was like, I'm not, I'm not I'm not veering into the, the two of debate. You know, I'm not Emmanuel Acho. I'm I'm not that thirsty for engagement. Okay. <laughs> Uh, the two and on crowd but you know but no it, but like that's where we're at and, and it's great and and like i'd like to enjoy to uh, justin herbert's development and talk for real about it yeah. but when it's fourth and 12 and he throws a touchdown pass an amazing touchdown pass just a, right in the bucket 27 to 20 in the fourth quarter against the raiders who have no secondary when he has not produced a touchdown yet all afternoon because the only touchdown was a defensive touchdown mm-hmm. and Twitter has a mass orgasm about as if they just saw, you know, the dark Phoenix arrive and change the way we live our lives. That And, and, and it's like, yeah, that, that was a great play. He lost to a bad team and played poorly all game. Yeah. Stop spooging all over him and like follow the flow. Of the team. Joe Burrow. But of course, Joe Burrow leads the comeback against the Chiefs. And it's like, ah, Perrine, Perrine, you know, Higgins underneath Perrine. Beautiful quarterbacking, but there's no like orgasmatron play. But it's it's a win. It's a win. How many how many of those did Tom Brady have? Okay, he actually had a lot when Randy Moss was there. Yeah. It's about it's about the production, it's about the success. All right. I I do find it curious though how the Chargers have I mean, you look at how Herbert played his first two seasons, especially his rookie year when the entire just offense is collapsing around him. He still plays really well. Last year um, he puts up very good numbers. I, he broke the Chargers franchise record for single season passing touchdowns. Like it's, he's already been fantastic. And now like Joe Lombardi is turning him into just a check down quarterback. Like now I, I'll go to defend Lombardi for, first of all, he was there last year. Yeah. I That's, that's the thing that's boggling my mind. Like what is, what is so different from this year compared to last year where like it, it's night yeah. and day difference. I don't get it. Rookie, rookie left tackle who played guard at Georgia. Yeah, not having Rashawn Slater there hurts. Yeah, rookie guard who replaced the other rookie guard at guard, Zion Johnson. The third right tackle of the year, I don't know the kid's name, but he's the guy who came in because Storm Norton was unavailable. And they've got some backup center out there, who, I, who again, whose name escapes me right now. 
So you have four goofballs and feeler on the line. And by the way, Zion Johnson's a good player. I think Sellier's a good player, but rookies and goofballs and filer, that's your offensive line. So Lombardi Steelers legend, not filer. I saw guys on on you know what throw it deep, Lombardi. Like like Herbert will die. Herbert took five sacks, got about seven freshmen. I can't throw it deep. He doesn't have those opportunities. So that is again speaking to the fact that he's a better quarterback than what we've seen in the last certainly the last couple of months when this offensive line injury, injury situation has come up. That's a big part of it. The question is, how much of a discount are we going to give them and say, oh, yeah, this is a very good quarterback who has rookies and randos on the line? Or, mm-hmm. you know, this is he's already Josh Allen's big brother. What's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? Look at this highlight. What's wrong with you? That that That's where I come from. And last year it was like I remember the Raiders game at the end, too. Yeah, which they lost. Okay, but all those touchdown passes, like, and then I'll say, well, what happened with the two interceptions against the Texans? What happened to the two interceptions against, I think, the Broncos? You know, he had a couple of two interception games late in the year. It's like, well, you see, the real problem with the Texans game is that they couldn't stop the run. Oh, they couldn't stop the run, and that's why he threw interceptions. I don't understand. Well, he had to come back in those games. You're telling me he's an outstanding quarterback. He couldn't come back against the Texans. Work with me a little bit here, okay? I'll, I'll say this on that, though. I think that every team is allowed to have a stinker or two. Like, Josh Allen played abysmal last year against the Jaguars and Duval. Mm-hmm. So, like, I, I do think that, you know, every every rose has its thorn. When I <laughs> right. Right. Um, it, it, it's got to get to the point, again, where it's like uh, 11 roses and six thorns. <laughs> For, again, not to say he's a he's a – developing prospect he doesn't before we get to that you know hey who are are the top who are your top three quarterbacks in history well obviously it's you know dan marino and and tom brady and and justin herbert like because that's like we're at sometimes you know (sighs) there is there's got to be a happy happy medium to this debate to this debate but um did you I found something that kind of boggles my mind, and this is off of Football Outsiders. Okay. The the bottom five teams in defensive DVOA. Okay. The Chicago Bears. Okay. Las Vegas Raiders. Okay. Atlanta Falcons. Okay. Jacksonville Jaguars. Oof. New York Giants, twenty eighth in DVOA. Huh. One of these things doesn't belong here. No. At least it doesn't feel like they do. But they're sitting at seven four and one. Could have been eight and four after this past week. And they're it feels like their defense is playing better than that. Um, especially like they're a very second half team. We understand this. They're, they're not gonna put together four quarters of just immaculate football yeah. with 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 what they've got, especially offensively. But th- that was alarming to me. Like I didn't expect to see the Giants that low. Yeah, I'm I'm surprised at that too, especially because I see like the Houston Texans above them. Yeah. Okay, and I'm looking to see if it was opponent adjustment. It doesn't seem like that's a huge thing going on with the opponent adjustments. I think schedule, strength of schedule adjustments, they played a pretty weak schedule overall. I think that has a lot to do with it. So I know in the past, and it's been a couple weeks since I've really studied the Giants because they were starting to fade out of it, the yards per play allowed they were giving up was pretty significant. The yards per pass play allowed was pretty significant. And then they were getting just enough defensive stops to stay in some of those games earlier in the season. Very bend, don't break. They were very, very bend, don't break. And then they would come up with a win, you know, and the final scores were like, you know, 28-21 again or whatever it was against second-rate opponents. So I'll say this. I don't know everything that's in the stats right now. They're fading. 
And in yeah. the first quarter against Washington, it looked like they were toast. Like they were absolutely done in that game. It's like they got nothing left. Washington's marching down the field, settling for a field goal, Washington field a turnover, marching down the field, and then fire high, Heineke fires high, and they've got a punt. And they stayed in that game, first of all, because they were just running zone read and like it was source read to the commanders. So again, are supposed to have this great defensive line, even with Chase Young on the sidelines. And it's like zone read. We never saw that at Alabama, where we played, you know. And the Giants kept punting the ball back and, and pinning Washington at like the six yard line, the 10 yard line, 12 yard line. And my favorite play of the game after a kickoff, the ball starts bouncing at the three yard line after a kickoff. And Antonio Gibson's like. <laughs> And after like three bounces, picks it up and like stumbles forward three yards, and it's another play at the eight yard line. I'm surprised the commanders are that low, but there's a lot of extenuating circumstances that are probably making their defense look on the field better than it looks in the metrics. This could come back uh, in terms of the tie between the commanders and giants. This could come back to haunt Seattle because okay. these are three teams that are very. Uh, I went for, last week on my newsletter, I went game by game. Uh, to see how I think the playoffs would go. These three teams are so interwoven the rest of the way. It's fantastic. It's going to be so much fun to watch that. Okay. Um, like because the, there's tiebreakers, right? Cause they played each other. Yes. Right? Yes. So obviously the, the Seahawks beat the giants. Um, yeah. Giants will have to play Philadelphia. Commanders already beat Philadelphia, yeah. but That's like if, if both the giants, if all three teams finish with nine wins, guess what? Seattle's kicked out because nine, seven and one beats nine and eight. So that tie eventually comes into play. Like it's going to be very, very interesting to watch. And there is a world where we get Brock Purdy versus Taylor Heineke Wild Card Weekend, and that is a world I want to live in. That's amazing. Well, next Thursday night we get Brock Purdy versus Geno Smith to decide the NFC West, as we all predicted was going to happen. Right. And this Thursday we might be getting Baker Mayfield. He's rumored that might to possibly start on one day of practice. Which I'll be drinking. Which uh, you, John Walford or, or Bryce Perkins, you got to be like, oh, all right. Yeah, so throw Baker out there. He doesn't need to practice anywhere. Uh, but I do the Monday podcast of Football Outsiders with Ian O'Connor. He's a Packers fan, and he noticed like the the tie impacted the tiny hopes the Packers have of getting into the playoffs too, because I think they're kind of interwoven with those teams. Mm. And I love the idea that the commanders and the giants tied, they played the tie. If you really watch the fourth quarter yeah. of that game and they realized they didn't want anything good for anyone else. They just wanted to ruin things for everybody else. <laughs> We're not good, but we can see block the re all the other crap teams in the NFC by, by tying <laughs> and just turning this into a, a cluster hub. And that's what they did. So, so more power to them. If I've got to watch it, they might as well make things weird. I think that for this year only, we should just scrap the NFC South yes. and have the like the six teams that are still in the hunt just have like a play-in dodgeball tournament that they televise. <laughs> and, and the winner gets the four seed. And then whomever the uh, the remaining two, because Dallas is going to get that top, the, the, the top wild card. Yeah. Um, which by the way, they put on 33 points in the fourth quarter against Jeff yeah. Saturday's Colts. The game was competitive for, yes. for the majority. And then something happened where Dallas is like, Oh, we've been kind of playing with our food. Let's stop doing that. <laughs> That's exactly it. Exactly. Like, what are we doing? Yeah. It is the cat. The cat's been messing with the spricket. Spricket's yeah. dead. Let's just eat the damn thing. <laughs> you know? 
and, and that impacted DVOA at, at Football Outsiders because, like, they shot up from, uh, past the Eagles in DVOA because of the fourth quarter. And the Eagles rest their starters against the Titans. And, like, I'm, I'm writing up a thing to because to, I do some of it and Aaron does the rest of it. And it's like, you know, it, it counts when you do it in the fourth quarter, especially when it's 21-19 entering the fourth quarter. And, like, the first two scores were, like, within a minute of each other. It's not garbage time. You're putting the game away. If you had done that in the second quarter or third quarter, you're putting the game away. So what the Cowboys did, yeah, maybe the last one was a little gratuitous. But but they didn't even have time to rest their starters because by the time – yeah, like, we got the ball back. And, and you're on the line, let's, let's score a touchdown, you know. So. The corpse of Matt Ryan just keeps just keeps waiting it. <laughs> what was it? Nat Tice, Nate Tice was shown – like the Marcus Lawrence, Tank Lawrence, just taking Bernard Raymond and like tossing him into the threw him aside like a rag doll. Threw oh him my into the sun. Goodness. Threw him into the sun, and it's like, yeah, yeah. Poor Matt Ryan has to keep going out. You know there. that 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 field event with like the ball on the end of like the stick that you spin and spin and spin and then let go and you watch it fly. Yeah, yeah that that's that's basically what. <laughs> <that. laughs> it was shot put. Yes. And in terms of uh, defensive DVOA, Dallas, five percentage points ahead of second place San Francisco. That is just tremendous numbers. Right. Right. One thing about the 49ers, everything in our metrics say great defense, not necessarily historic defense. You know, the bones in there uh, of some things that they don't do historically well, outstandingly well. Part of that was games that Bosa was not there as well. Okay, but the Cowboys... That pressure rate, which is behind beyond even what the, the 49ers can do, that sack, those pure sack numbers and everything, that's really impacting where they are in terms of their defensive metrics. Yeah, they are, in terms of unadjusted pass, uh, they are first in that as well, three percentage points ahead of Philadelphia. So just across the board, like Dallas has been fantastic on that side of the ball, um, which, I mean, you go back to last year, remember they were cutting like Jalen Smith. There was questions about Leighton Vander Ash. But yeah. um, I mean, when you have somebody like Micah Parsons, Lawrence playing well, Trevon Diggs on the back end, like they've got stars at all three levels, and that definitely helps. They do. And what's the young man's name? Is it Dorian? Uh, am I just making up a human right now? I don't think you are. Doris <laughs> Armstrong. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't recognize a Dorian, but. <laughs> Dorian, Dorian Gray. Uh, yeah, yeah. And they've been getting some stuff out of Jabril Cox and some of these other guys. Some of these, like, like grab a dude type. Yeah. Guys. Grab a dude in the draft. Huh? He's big, he's fast, he's physical. Gerald likes him. Yeah, a year or two later, Jabril Cox will do. Yeah, well, yeah, right, right. That's Yeah, a couple of years later, sometimes they pay off, sometimes they don't. You move yeah. on if you don't, you know. I feel like we always crap on Jerry Jones for like his mid-round selections. Where it's like, what? Did, that wasn't even on like Kuiper's board you know, in the seventh round. What are you doing, bud? Yeah, very primal. He's big, strong, and fast. He made a lot of highlights. We're taking. Yeah. And like, okay, you know, we're all you know, like the footwork and the contact balance, and you know, did you see? But he was slightly out of line on this, but like, or grab the big, the big fast guy is also a possibility. Sometimes yeah. that works just as well, you know. I feel like Jerry Jones with big fast guys is the same way that Al Davis was with like guys who played well in one Super Bowl. Like I remember he signed Desmond oh, yeah. Howard to a big deal and uh, Larry Brown to a big to big deals. Like yeah, but well, that was that was late Al Davis. Early Al Davis was fast guy, fast, fast. fast yes, fast. David Hayward fast, Bay first round fast guy. Yeah, fast, fast, and fast and mean was good. Um, and and sometimes keeping it simple. I mean, Micah Parsons was a keep it simple pick. Yeah. 
You know, so look, look at this guy. Look at what he can do. Oh, but he's an off-ball linebacker at Penn State. And therefore, if we look at the pure value and things like that, eh, we'll let him rush the pass or see what happens. Oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> oh, he just eats everybody in front of him. Who would have thought? <laughs> right. Maybe the fact that he's, he's super talented might help him in some way. You know? It's almost like being good at football helps in these things. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Okay. We've, we are almost 40 minutes in. We haven't touched much on the Chiefs Bengals, um, but usually we save the best for last for these things. Yeah. Um, Joe Burrow, we only spent you know talk, time talking about Justin Herbert. Joe Burrow has been lights out since yeah. the first couple weeks of the season. There's big questions at the start of 0-2. He throws four interceptions against Pittsburgh. I think he threw one against Dallas, two against Dallas, something like that. And everybody's like, oh, Super Bowl hangover. Yep. Bengals are done. Yeah. Um, yeah. For the most part, I mean, their offensive scheming was bad throughout the first yeah. like month or so. They've yeah. they've done a lot of diversifying the offense, which is which shows. Um, and then defensively, like they might not have you know a, a Micah Parsons, they might not have a Nick Bosa. They've got some guys that are like that right on the cusp of being like elite, but that play really hard. And you look at what Jermaine Pratt has done. They got DJ reader back and he's played really well. Mike Hilton at nickel. Like they have guys all over the field that while they might not, not necessarily be elite, like they are consistent. They're not going to mess, mess up games for, for Cincinnati and they're playing really well. So all around, I mean, the Bengals have made a case for themselves being like, Hey, we just beat Tennessee on the road. We just yep. beat Kansas city. Those are two very big back-to-back wins. Yeah. Um, and they're playing very, very well on both sides. And you won a game, a couple games without Jamar Chase. Yes. So you're yes. winning games without this guy. And, you know, I had forgotten, and it came up on the Football Outsiders data show. It's like, okay, so you bring four new starters in on your offensive line, three veterans, and then you replace the other guy. So it's Jonah Williams and, and a bunch of new guys. And then you take zero reps in the preseason. Now, now Barrow was had the appendectomy, so he doesn't – but the offensive line doesn't even play together. None of the starters play together because this is a Sean McVay innovation. Like, who needs that, you know? And then this team goes out there and looks completely out of sync for two games? Yes. Stunning. Like, the offensive linemen haven't had any reps together that were actually live <laughs> against the opponent and, the, and that they're, like, making mistakes and coming out of their stance wrong and don't necessarily – aren't comfortable with the cadence and things like that. That's what the preseason's for. Yes. That's why Bill Belichick put his starters out there. Andy Reid put his starters out there. And everybody else in the NFL who's not like a wonderkin put their starters out there. Those guys <laughs> – those guys gel. All these offensive linemen that we knew could play started playing. And, yes, Zach Taylor does improve his schemes a little bit. It gets diversifies things a little bit, diversifies the running game a little bit. And this is a team, like you said, a bunch of different ways to win because they can win with defense to a degree. They can win with underneath passing now to a degree. It's not just uh, effort Jamar's down there somewhere. It's just not just that. Which, I mean, last year that was – kind of the criticism is like okay you know you can have jamar chase just make these fantastic plays but it's not sustainable long term right and i think that they thought that they could just roll into the season and do that again and they realized really quick which by the way better to find that out in week two that you can yeah. than like week 10 right right and you and you sort of can to a degree because higgins and boyd are also good although i think yeah. yes. earlier in the year but you have to have some counter punches available and they yeah. weren't bothering the counter punch was let's run inside zone with joe mixon you know, on every first down and see if we can get second knee and then throw the bomb, you know, now we have to put a little more thought into it than that gentlemen. Burrow fifth in the league in DYAR, according to football outsiders. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, Jared Goff is third, by the way. That's he's just a fun little mm-hmm. <laughs> going from Jared Goff. Mm-hmm. Oh no, I, I was watching some of that, and it's amazing what a clean pocket does to a quarterback. It is. Offensive line's really, really, really good. Violently good in Detroit. Violently good offensive line. So first of all, you've got a clean pocket. Second of all, you got a lot of second and four because you got a six-yard run or whatever mm. first down. And he's making the most of that. And I don't think he's a phenomenal quarterback by any stretch of the imagination, but he's demonstrating the stuff he did a couple of years ago when the Rams could give him a clean pocket mm. and some decent receivers. And it's like maybe if you can't find a quarterback – I think this will go for Geno Smith to a degree, too. Maybe you should find the clean pocket. Maybe you should find that and see if just the kind of sort of okay quarterback suddenly looks good because breaking news, they probably will. Um, We touched a little bit on Baltimore. I do kind of want to go back to the Ravens-Broncos game because the Broncos just continue to find ways to mess things up, uh, and it's just hard to watch. I tweeted yesterday. I'm trying to find the exact stat okay. uh, of the number for Denver, mm-hmm. um, but it's it is abysmal when it comes to red zone or no. Game. Just the fact that if they scored like 18 points a game, they'd be 10 and two right now. Right. Um, they oh, have yeah. allowed the defense, especially, is just. Yeah. Uh, if you're the really defense, scary. I'm not saying that they should like give up, but I'm saying like if you're like Justin Simmons, Pastor Tan, you go out there, you hold a team to three points for 57 minutes. Like what? What are you supposed to do at this point? Like right. put up more than nine points offense, and they just can't <laughs> seem to do that. Last four weeks, ten points, sixteen points, ten points, nine points. Uh, the Raiders. I mean, their defense buckled against the Raiders. Yes. And that often happens. It's like, all right, we're on the field for minute 39 and a half here. And, you know, we have to, we, we can't even give up like a, a field goal. And then that's when the 30 yard run hits. Um, Sam Darnold beat them. And beat he them. sure did. He beat them convincingly. Uh, 17 to 10 loss to Titans. It's not Malik Willis, is it? Uh, no, that's Tannehill. That is Tannehill. Okay. That is Tannehill. That, that is Tannehill. I, I couldn't bear – I did not go back and watch that game yet. Like, during the 1 o'clock window, I was watching Eagles-Titans, Commanders-Giants, Jets-Vikings, um, and there was a fourth game that I was monitoring on the side, Oh, uh, Texans versus Scumbag. Um, mm. And uh, so, like, I – and, like, I kept – I saw Lamar was hurt, and all I'm doing is, like, scrolling my phone for Lamar injury updates. Yeah. I, have, I have very little knowledge of what happened in that game, but I know it was 9-3. to three. Yeah, and, and you got to, and then you get the ball. I know they got the ball back, and they had a chance to drive for a field goal. And they, which and by they, the way, if you rewatch that drive, some weird play calls, weird play. Yeah. Um, they, I can't remember if they had one timeout or no timeouts, but um, hmm. Russ threw a dump off underneath, which granted got a decent amount of yards. They ran up, they spiked it, and then the last play before they tried the field goal, like Russ is scanning, doesn't have anything. He takes off, he runs, gets a few yards and gets out of bounds. Okay. Um, but you'd think that they would just incorporate, okay, let's just quick hit out of bounds. Quick, I mean, Like everybody else does to methodically get downfield. Um, so okay, yeah. yeah I mean, I see it. He scrambles out of bounds and there are nine seconds. Well, wait, they call a timeout with six. They call a timeout with nine seconds left. And then he scrambles again. Yes. 
So they can't come up with like some kind of. And then they attempt a field goal from the Chesapeake Bay. Hoping, <laughs> <laughs> hoping that McManus can just yeah. kick the hell out of it. Um, yeah. And then they lose 10 to nine. I found the um, Broncos have allowed t- less than 20 points in nine games this season. They are three and six in those games. Oh my God. Oh just my God. Okay, so you, 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 you score 21 and you are undefeated. Then, you know, you, yeah. Right. Right. <sighs> It's almost hard to say anything. It's, it's gotten to the point of hyperbole. Where, you know, is this the worst trade in NFL history? And it might actually look that way right now. But, you know, there were some pretty bad trades in NFL history. And, yeah. you, know, you trade your entire draft class for Ricky Williams. That's not ideal. So. Uh, but, like, it's hard to – there's nothing to say about that team right now. It's just they're out of sync. Wilson's on planet, you know, banana pants, wherever he is in his, in his, in his mind. Hackett can't coach. And they're wasting, they're absolutely squandering a defense. I don't, I don't know how you come back from that this year. You have to come in with a new coach, maybe a new GM. It sounds like they're likely going to try to hire from within their defensive coordinator, who everybody seems to be really high on. Um, because if they don't, they're probably going to lose him. Then what do you do at offensive coordinator? He better find somebody. Bring Frank Reich in. Maybe Frank Reich can reach. Uh, and Frank Reich, hey, hey, you had to try and get Carson Wentz on a brain wavelength. Here's Russell Wilson. Yeah, Frank Reich just can't catch a break, can he? If that's the case. If you're Frank, I mean, if I'm Frank Reich, I'm not accepting that job. I'm going somewhere else. No, Doug Peterson's going to hire me to be assistant quality control by guys. See ya. Goodbye. Forget about it. Let's take a year off and write my memoirs. Go see ya. I'll go back to Maryland and be the head coach. Bye. No, not, not taking any of that smoke. That. Steven Ruiz on the Ringer NFL show, I think last week was talking and he's like, look, I understand that everybody's saying that they're going to be with Russell Wilson next year. Like he's handcuffed to them. But if you're Denver, why not just kind of eat it for a year? (laughs) It's a hundred million dollars in dead cap next year. If you get rid of him, why not just eat it for that year? It's better to suck for one year than to suck for five. When you're tied to a guy, you might as well just embrace it next year. Yeah. I, that's almost half the salary cap that he would just right, have right. and and on, money on one guy to just shame him and keep him home. <laughs> and you can almost, this new owner bought the team. And it's kind of like when I'm at the store and there's like a soda I like for a dollar 19 and a soda I like a little less for a dollar nine, I buy the soda that's a little less. But when I'm buying a car and you know, for two grand, you know, you get it two grand, two thousand dollars, you get like a heated. You know, hand holder or something like that. Sure, two, what's two more grand? You know, thirty six grand, thirty eight grand. That's like the owner of the Broncos right now. It's like I spent a gazillion dollars on the team. Well, I'll just eat another hundred million. That's not a cash flow issue. That's just more sunk cost. You know, um, the new not- owners are from are from Walmart wealth though too. So I mean, that money's not a thing to them. Money is not a thing to them, but I think a hundred million is a thing to just about everybody. So sure. Yeah. Right. We're we're always very free with other people's money. Here, you know, here on the internet, it's like, well, why didn't they just eat that? And it's like, somebody actually has to spend that money. Like, that's that's always the funniest thing to me. Like, like with the Raiders, like, yes. oh, why don't they just fire Josh McDaniels? Yeah, if you think Mark Davis is paying three coaching staffs, you're out of your damn mind. Right. Well, people, no think, think, people think Mark Davis has six hundred billion dollars, and yeah, <laughs> Mark Davis has the money that comes from being the Raiders owner. That's what yeah. he's got. So that's a lot. But when those expenses add up, it's like when you have your own business and your expenses get out of control. It's the same yeah. thing. Now, Walmart money's different. But it's not that different. They could just make make Russ like the lead greeter, the, the, <laughs> guy, the, guy, the guy who hands you the stickers when you walk in. Visualize finding paper towels. 
Walmart country. Let's ride. Right. Um, right. We can make give Sierra commercials. She can do commercials. <laughs> Hi, I'm Sierra for Walmart. I'm only doing this because my husband screwed up his job. Yeah, yeah. So I, I'm like helping them eat cap space. <laughs> Buy my lingerie. I have oh, no idea what Sierra is perfume or, or, or I I couldn't tell you to save my life. I'm an old um, white girl, why not? The Minnesota Vikings and New York Jets played an interesting game because the the Viking the Vikings can't play a normal football game. No, they can't. The Jets outgained the Vikings by two hundred yards. Yes, and they still came down to the fact that Minnesota got into the red zone and scored touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. The yep. Jets got into the red zone, field goal, field goal, field goal, field goal, interception at the end. Yes. Um, so that's what it really came down to. Mike White threw the ball fifty-seven times this game. Mm, um, he. If you go back, though, I mean, multiple chances for the Jets to win this game. Um, he overthrows Garrett Wilson on a go route, who is, if he catches it, he's got nothing but green in front of him. Yeah. And, and the Jets probably take the lead. Granted, the next play, they go deep again. Corey Davis gets a nice catch, and, you know, they still drove down the field. But um, I always find, like, I found this discourse coming up to this this game weird. Like, everybody was like, Mike White's just going to really go in there and beat Minnesota. I'm like, uh, slow down a little bit this is still mike white who you know had a really good game last year against cincinnati and then didn't play he turned into right. mike white right so, right um I, I think the focus was that okay minnesota has a bad secondary which by the way ed, Donat ed donatel's secondary is bad it's yeah. not good and, and, and they play like the super vanilla nonsense too. yes yes very just a very conservative okay yeah take the 10 yards take the 15 yards we'll stop right. you and like it's not good right. um but there's something to be said about maybe we don't bet the house on a third string quarterback and maybe he's a third string quarterback for now that, that's not, not to say that Mike White played abysmal yeah. but I think that everybody's like oh look what he did against the Bears it, <laughs> he can tell, the franchise quarterback I'm like are you are you out of your mind <laughs> you can tell what percentage of people talking actually watch the game at all yeah and I, I watched that Bears game, and it's like, yeah, well, first of all, the Bears have no defense because everybody got traded and, and things like that. It was in the rain, and, like, very short passes were going for very long gains. And, he and was Trevor there. Simeon was on the other side for Trevor, Chicago. Right, well. so you, we keep getting the ball back, and you've got the lead, and you're comfortable, and you can throw a check down and get 20 yards. These things happen, et cetera. White played okay. He was rickety at the start of the game. He was fine at the end. When you get into the red zone and the, and the windows get tighter – you lose some of the advantage you have from having all these playmakers where it's like, okay, we're actually legitimately kind of worried about Moore and Wilson and Davis and the fact that the backs are still kind of okay. And Azuma's back and the other tight end. And now you're asking white to make really crisp reads and really tight throws. That's not what he's going to get you. And that's what, what happened there. They need, if they just needed field goals, if they, if they hadn't given up points early in the game, then you you'd probably get a win. The Jets have to be able to win games where it's like, oh, we got to 22 points. They have to be right. able to win that game. They couldn't quite get it done. Defense couldn't do enough. Vikings did enough. Vikings bullshit. That's that's what it's like, you know. And that's, <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, we'll get down to the goal line. Barrios will drop a touchdown, you know. Yeah, he did. And that, that was another thing, like, where they had chances to win, and Mike White, credit to Mike White, I mean, he gave them a chance to win. Right, he gets them in it. And that's, I think Little LaFleur has got to think a little bit in terms of, yeah, this guy's not going to do it inside the 10-yard line. If we don't have a power runner, which we don't have, come up with some kind of creative system in here. You know, I was going to scheme a play to Braxton Berrios when you've got, you know, better talent on the field. Right, right. You know, it's it's 
design a wildcat system so you can get the ball directly to Wilson or more or something. I, I don't know, but it's, it's not like, well, you know, drop back into coverage and read the zone. And, you know, Harrison Smith is standing in the middle of the end zone. That's the guy who knows where the ball is going to go. Yeah, you know? yeah. Patrick Peterson has a pretty good idea what you're planning to do there. If you're Mike White, you're not going to discover an open man in the corner. Come up with something better than that. If this was 2014, the Vikings would have a hell of a secondary with Patrick Peterson and Harrison Smith. That's um, right. Well, they all, I mean, uh, Zedarius, young Zedarius Smith would also be awesome. Yes, yes. Uh, at least Anthony Barr's gone. Although I th- was he still playing for the Cowboys? I know he was playing okay early in the year. Uh, um, I would have to look. He might have been there. Yeah, I mean, Kendrick's yeah. is still there. Uh, yeah. you know, that, that's a team they never get rid of anybody. I swear C.J. Ham is 63 years old. I, I swear <laughs> – that he was, he replaced Moose Johnson for Emmett Smith. The, 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 you know. Vikings never get rid of anybody. It's, it's kind of what helps them, I think, this year because their continuity is so good yeah. that you don't, they don't make these dumb mistakes. They pull a guy off the bench, he knows what he's doing, et cetera. That, I think that's really helping. In terms of the Jets, though, their remaining schedule is as follows they go to Buffalo this week. Um, yeah. So they go to Buffalo, they host the Lions, they host the Jaguars, then they go to Seattle and, and in Miami. I don't think that they're they're a playoff team with that schedule. Like their defense is great, and that's all well and good. Uh, Zach Wilson, Mike White, Joe Flacco—they're not winning more than two of those. All right, Buffalo's a loss. You get a, a split with the Detroit and Jacksonville. That gets you to eight. Then Seattle, Miami. You got to split Seattle. They've got to come up in one of these games. They got to show like we're them. Game, I think they had that against the Dolphins when the the backup the backups were in there. Yeah. They had that kind of game against the Packers. They need to get back to having that kind of game because we haven't seen that from them in weeks and weeks. And I honestly don't know if they have it in them. So w- the restock of the wild card is probably Ravens. Ravens. Uh, no, no, it's the Ravens are still yeah, atop but, the. Yeah, I, I understand. Yeah, right. yeah. Okay, let's say it's the Ravens. It's the Dolphins. And then that third, you got the Herberts. Herberts. You got the Patriots. <laughs> you got the Jets. That's it. That's basically it. Yeah, I don't see anybody. Like, there's a few five and seven teams that I'm not going to say. I'm not, I'm not banking on Kenny Pickett going on a right, run here. Steelers. Steelers. Yes. Right, right, right. You know, I mean, the thing is, you know, Belichick is going to manufacture crappy wins. He's going to continue to do that. That's, I mean, you look at both the Chargers and Patriots that are both six and six who are going to try to steal that last wild card spot. Yep. Like, I believe in Herbert more than I do Mac Jones, but I don't, I believe in Belichick a hell of a lot more than I do Brandon Staley. Yeah, uh, that's also, that's all true. And if you look at the Chargers schedule, it's pretty manageable coming up. Yeah. You know, so it's like, you know, you, you know, I criticize Herbert. If he's doing the one or two highlights a game and then it's all three and out, you can still win a bunch of those. You can still win a bunch of those and get into, into the playoffs. A big game for them on Sunday night this week against Miami. Uh, so yeah. the take opalypse. Yeah. <laughs> take again. Can't hardly wait. Emmanuel yeah. Otto is going to go into overdrive and explode into a combustive pile of rolls. I so. won't Twitter die like they promised us three weeks ago. You know, as much of a hellscape as that app can be, I would be quite sad if that happened. Mostly because I use that to my benefit as much we, as I can. We both need it for our... Yeah, we both need career. it very badly. Right, right, right. So it's a love-hate relationship. Yes. But, yeah. So 
Miami this week on Sunday Night Football, which because remember they flexed out Patrick Mahomes against Russell Wilson. You know how bad you have to be for Patrick Mahomes to get flexed out of prime time, right? Even for like rubber necking. Let's see how bad Robert Russell Wilson is. Not, not. It's not. (laughs) Don't do it. Yeah, good instincts by the uh, TV people. It's like no. Yes. Yeah. So I mean, I I think that Miami wins that. I don't see the Dolphins just going on some sort of like. If the if the Chargers had a better defense, which by the way is Staley's calling card, then I would probably lean Chargers because they're at home. But their defense is horrible. I got I got to see if the because the Alvin's couldn't run the ball at all. That was a big part of it. That is. And you can't run against the Niners. I get you can run all day against the Chargers. Let's you and I could average six bucks a carry against <laughs> the Chargers. Yeah, me and my wheelchair, man. We can go. Uh, no, um, if that happens, then that's probably. We'll call that a toss-up. Look beyond it. There's some very winnable games for the Chargers. Yeah, I was going to say, they, they have Tennessee after that at home, at Indianapolis, hosting, well, the Rams, which is both of, both of their home, and then they close at Denver. So, I mean, those are three very winnable games to close out their season. Right. Which could get them to 9-8, and eight, which would leave us where they were last year, with a 9-8 and eight team that's either in by the skin of their teeth or yeah. the first team out. And looking back, saying, "Oh, if we did this one thing throughout the rest of the year, we'd be in right now." So, right, right. very, very interesting team are the Los Angeles Chargers. Right, and you can see where that and the Jets, and then the we have no offense Patriots, and you put them yes. together, and it's like, boy, <laughs> I miss just having two wild cards because, but then we wouldn't be able to talk about any of this. Just exactly. Like, the, yeah, the, the, I'm all for the third wild card. It's, yeah. it's, it's like it's, Twitter. We need it. We need it. Work. We do need it. Um, you know, we could talk about Browns Texans, but I don't want to, um, so so we're not gonna, um, I always appreciate you coming on. Uh, I always appreciate, are you going to be in mobile? I feel like I've asked you this. I will be in mobile come heck or high water. Good. I'm going to be there. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I'm going to make it happen one way or the other. And, uh, well, all I hope for you, have you been before you, but you were there a couple years ago, right? I was there 2021. Yeah. Oh, you were there last year. No, you were there 2021. Yes. That was yeah. the year that was way too covid if I remember correctly. Yeah, like they didn't have like the convention center stuff where they have everybody kind of convene for whatever. So uh, I was there, but I this will be my first uh, senior bowl big experience. So I didn't go I didn't I didn't go this past January just because the finances didn't add up. But right. yeah, I'll be there. This one was still a little weird, and I hope they open up. I, I they heard some criticism. I hope they open up some more interview opportunities and things like that but we were still pretty covety in january uh it also poured it also poured to a point where i was like i'm never doing this again never doing this again because it was raining buckets every single day that i do remember seeing on twitter is that oh they move practice inside again and when practice is inside we're gonna allow 50 guys in and everybody else is gonna watch the film well if i'm gonna watch film I could have stayed home. I'm going to go watch film of the guy against Texas A&M, not yeah. the walkthrough, because I'm not going to pretend I'm super scout. Hmm, well, you know, he's, he's exactly. sideways slightly. Come on, let's get real. Um, but my plan is really on that one. And, and then we will we will hit Saucy Q. And uh, we will Gotta hit. Go to, what's that, Roots? Is that Saucy the other Q one? Is, a, is a ribs joint, right? Okay. We'll definitely hit that. Uh, we'll hit the beignet sh- shop and breakfast, uh, one of those places. We'll hit we'll hit Veets. Veets is amateur hour. I'll take you to the places that are not Veets, where you might actually see real NFL people. I, I was talking to Thor last year, and he's like, Mark Brunel spent so much time in the Veets bathroom. <laughs> That's true. Okay, Brunel's a, you you'll get it. You'll get it. NFL guys there who are sort of like on the fringe or who just really like Veets. 
Yeah. <laughs> but then you have draft Twitter there, and it's a bunch of guys your age, not necessarily my scene anymore. And right. Well, you were there. It's a bit, bit of a bit of a. It's a big old CF down there. Yeah, it's a big old a little bit of a bit of a sty. Bit of a sty. Uh, but but uh, in terms of like how I had like I when I was down there, um, I was with. Uh, hung out with Albright a lot, Ryan Edwards, like that kind of crew. Um, and I was still a, a broke college student, so they bought all my drinks for me, which was nice of them. <laughs> um, yeah, like I, I think that there is a difference between the you know the the young media person who's just like, oh my goodness, I can't believe I'm here. But right. you know, I don't know. I, I've known you for a good amount of time. I've known like Vertoram for a good amount of time. I'm just excited to to finally see you guys in person for the first time, which would be a lot of fun. Right. And, and there is a balance where it's like yeah, you're, you're meeting a lot of colleagues and everything, and it's yeah. fun to have beers with guys mm -hmm. you never had beer with. And then there's a little bit of a networking element, too. So, sure. you know, especially at my age, it's a little harder to drink that much booze, and then you have to ride this balance of, I I just had my sixth drink, and I was raising hell on there's Matt Rule. <laughs> I, and then this was like, and like, I better like sort of like talk to him in some way that like doesn't sound like I'm a complete moron, you know? Right. So there's a little bit of that, but we'll, you know, we'll be able to do all that. We'll go to Saucy Q. I've got a couple other restaurants you can check. I was going to say I've never been to Saucy Q. I wasn't there the last time I was there. It's a, they. I have a long thing about Saucy Q, but I always make a point, even if it's for breakfast, even if it's a 10:30 in the morning rib breakfast, <laughs> because they what they used to do. Boy, boy, this is really great podcast gold. Everybody used to be that like they'd have a practice from 10 to noon, then two hours off, and a practice from two to four. Mm -hmm. And all of Earth went from the practice, which was at Lad Peoples, not the new stadium, mm -hmm. to Saucy Q. So you'd be in there, scouts would be in there, coaches would be in there, et cetera, just destroying ribs like a bunch of cavemen. And then we'd all go back. Now they line the practices up like 12 to 2, 2 to 4, or yeah. 2 to 4. Bip, bip. You can't go anywhere else. So it's like, and then Saucy Q is more of a lunch joint, so you don't go there. So it takes a commitment to show up at 10 a.m. and eat ribs at 10 a.m. I have that commitment. <laughs> I guess we'll find out if I have that commitment. I'm going to be <laughs> downing a Starbucks double shot while I stuff my face with barbecue, apparently. Yeah, yeah. I get the double shot as well. And then there's a couple of restaurants downtown. Verderon, Matt, I love you, is not an adventurous eater. Isn't he? He is not. So it's tricky to like, oh, let's go out and get something to eat. It's like, all right, I guess we're getting a burger. Uh, oh, <laughs> what's, the place, what's the place called? Uh, Nola. Nola Beer Brew House. It has like 17,000 beers. Okay. And it's got this very limited pub grub menu, but a lot of the people hang out there, especially the first night. And they do do the thing that I don't eat this anymore, uh, where they cut the, not a Krispy Kreme, but a locally made, locally sourced donut, like mm. free range donut. Oh, do they use that as the bun for, for a burger? Yeah. And they put like three patties in there and things like that. And I see yeah, I'll steer away from that just okay. to, you know, my, my cholesterol. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, that's basically says on top of it, cause of death to me, you know, like, <laughs> you know, uh, the, my wife would get a life alert on the phone if I, <laughs> if I ordered that. So, but, uh, but like there's things like that there. It's, it's a fun scene. You'll, we'll get the whole thing done. We'll get the whole thing. Done. Did they open up uh, credentials yet? Uh, December 9th. So we'll, I'll get that all in here in the next few days. And then, yeah. And then book my flight out to the, the world's smallest airport. Oh. I do love the Mobile Airport. Isn't it so, it's so nice and easy to get through. That's true. It's easy to get through. Um, I'll tell, all right, I, I'm going to end the thing. I'll tell my Mobile Airport story. Okay. So we're leaving and Mobile Airport has like basically four planes 
and is the size of a of, of a medium sized Walmart. <laughs> Show it's like, up. Like, it's like the supermarket Walmart's that don't have yeah. like the sporting goods sections. Right, 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 right. Yeah, you, you can't buy a rod and reel here, but you can get like you know you get a gallon of milk. Um, I show up as you often do. Let's say Friday morning, a little hungover as you always do. Mm. I roll through. I got my laptop bag. I got my carry-on bag. I roll through. I get. Uh, I, as soon as I get through security and customs, I go stop to get a drink, stop to use the potty, look around and say, "Hmm, I have my laptop bag. Don't I usually have clothes and crap?" I'm like, "Where did I put my suitcase?" <laughs> now, of course, you're leaving a suitcase someplace in an airport. That's a no-no in the yeah. World. But I'm like, you know what? I think it went through security and I just left it there because I was in a hurry and over and everything. So I go, choo, choo, choo. and I, when I say running back, I, I run the 30 paces back to airport <laughs> security and there is a bag in there. Now it's just a generic black bag. And I was like, excuse me, Mr. Security person. It's like, is that my bag? Well, I don't know. Somebody left it here. <laughs> They all have like the, the hint of a New Orleans accent. Right, right. That weird New Orleans, like it's like it's it's gambit, but also like just a southern guy. Um and it's oh, like, oh, oh. and he's like a federal officer or something, like right, you know, like like airport security. Yeah. And I say, Sir, do you mind if I open it up and look at it? And he's like, long as it don't go boom. <laughs> that's that's not funny, sir. That's not a thing we joke about here. Oh, like, long as it don't go boom. No, don't go boom. Like, oh my god! Yeah, so, so it's a different experience down there. But yeah, yeah this, it's the wild west, man. It's it's something. <laughs> but I do not like flying into that airport because it's like there's one flight a day if you're lucky. And yeah, I was getting like I had to like I had to take a connecting flight, so I had to do Pittsburgh to Charlotte, Charlotte to Mobile, which mm -hmm. is what I assume I'm gonna have to do again. So you always have to do, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, whatever. Atlanta, Charlotte, and Houston; those are the only directs. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. There, I'm doing. This will be my first combine too. I talked to Ed Holm about that already. He's like, "Oh yeah, it'll be a lot of fun." So I'm, I'm excited to to do Indy as well. It'll be a busy few months. Um, and I'll be I'll be doing Indy as well. That, that's awesome. unskippable for me. So I'll probably I'll skip out on probably have to skip out on the draft. I wanted to do the draft this year, but I probably Kansas City. I haven't, I haven't gone to a draft since it was in Philly. Mm -hmm. uh, there's no, it's almost that was about 2018. 2018, I think. It's useless from a media standpoint. You're not going to get any access. Right. You don't get any access to the guys. So it's like you're there to, to be there and all. I went to Philly because I hopped on the train. You're going to say you live 10 minutes away. Right. I hopped on the train. I went and I hopped and I went home. There was zero dollars and zero cents on the budget. You know? <laughs> and I used to go to New York because it was worth you know, 200 and some dollars on the budget of lunches and, and trains. Yeah. But like no Kansas city, no can do. I'm looking forward to it though. I'm looking forward to you showing me all the good eateries for, for future trips to that interesting part of the world. Um, <laughs> There's good food there. There, There's, I didn't get to really experience it too much last year or two years ago, just because like I said, I was a, a poor college student who was, you, were, you know, budgeting my way. Places were probably closed. Yeah. I, I don't know. I had raising canes for the first time though, so that was almost worth it for, for just that. I had raising canes for the first time in my life though, so that was worth it. Okay. All right. How's that? It was good. Yeah, no, I get the I get the big deal that's made out of it. That's one of those places where a big deal's made about it and it's like warranted. Nice. So I, I can I can back up the uh the raising canes uh 
the, the hype. Awesome. Awesome. You missed the era of the brick pit, which was the, in the woods a little bit, uh, barbecue joint. That went out of business a few years back. But that was the pilgrimage. So rest in peace. Pour a little out for the brick pit. We'll, we'll pour we'll pour plenty out whenever <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. Mike, I always appreciate talking to you. What's uh, What do you have going for uh, Football Outsiders this week? Football Outsiders this week, I'll be writing a little about Justin Herbert. So that was a little bit of a preview. Oh, good. Yeah, that was, that was perfect then. A tank watch on the Los Angeles Rams to run before the Thursday night game, in which I play bang, marry, kill with Stafford, Donald Cup, and Ramsey in an effort to fix the team. You know, because it's like, obviously... We, We'd want to bang all of them because they're still outstanding players when healthy, but the Rams can't afford that level of uh, of, of of consummation anymore. So we have to play. You're implying that they're paying to bang all of them, which means that all three of them are part of a prostitution ring. But it's in a place where it's legal and consensual. So we're all fine <laughs> with that. That's great. Got a thing coming up in the New York Times. It's a lot of what we talked about today, how four or five teams – in the world, and then the 49ers were in this weird nether region, and yeah. then everything else is kind of waiting, waiting for the season to end, so we know what's going on. So that's coming up in the New York Times as well. Mike Tanier, hey, I appreciate the hell out of you for your friendship, your mentorship, and uh looking forward to look looking forward to seeing you. Oh, that's next month, Mike. Next month is Mobile. How fun. End of next month, right? It's like the 28th. Yeah, I guess it's technically like closer to two months away, but when you say it's next month, it's more fun. Because you're, 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 it's true, but you're scaring me now because I'm completely unprepared. All right. We'll be good. <laughs> Get through Christmas. Think about that. Fair okay. enough. Yes. And for me this week, if you're listening to this as a podcast, uh, the Brock Purdy piece, which I talked about already, Justin yes. Fields' film piece for USA Today. Yes. Uh, so yeah, check those out. Oh, and I graded Steelers this week, and Steelers fans got mad at me because I gave Kenny Pickett a C. Plus, so go read that. <laughs> he was perfect. He was, I didn't watch the game. He was perfect. Yeah, yeah, he was just just fantastic, wasn't he? Mike, we'll do this again very soon. I'm glad that I could get you on. I know you're a busy man, so I appreciate you. Oh, uh, thanks a lot, man. Thanks for having me. And I'll talk All to right, you soon. Yes, sir. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.